It's been a fun morning. I, uh, I'm teaching, I usually teach over at Marathon, and so this morning um, I taught the nine, ran over, taught at Marathon, and just came back in here so fast. So my mind's just like full teaching mode. I need to just like take a breath and, and get here with you guys, because I think God has something in store for us this morning. Um, but I want to start like this. Have you ever, have you ever noticed the power um, in someone's words to shape our lives? So here's what I mean. Last weekend, I was officiating this wedding, and at the rehearsal dinner, I was hanging out with um, my friend's grandfather. And I'll say this, if, if you ever get a chance to spend time with someone in their 80s who's just a sold-out follower of Jesus, um, don't talk in their presence. Just listen, right? Like, just come and, and just soak up all their wisdom. And so I'm listening to this man talk, and he begins to tell me just about his life journey, about how when he was 20 years old, he got, he got married in his 20s. And his dad set him down, and his, and his dad said to him, son, from now on, it is your responsibility to take care of her. And one day, if, if the Lord blesses the kids, it's your responsibility to provide for them. And so if, if one job isn't paying the bills, you need to get two jobs. And if two jobs isn't getting the bills, you need to get three jobs. He's like, you, don't, uh, you, you, you need to work to provide for your family. And he's like, Dad, what if uh, I can't do that? He's like, you don't need to sleep in your 20s. You can work in your 20s, sleep in your 30s. And he's like, Dad, that's, that's crazy advice. And this wasn't exactly what I, I thought you were going to tell me on my wedding day, right? Like, and, and there was something about this, this conversation that then shaped the next 30 years of his life. So this man opens a business in Manhattan, a very successful business. And he and his wife, you know, they buy a vacation home in Florida. They, they buy a vacation home up in Lake Placid in New York for them to ski in the winter. The big house, all these cars, all the things in life that you could want. And one day his wife just looks at her husband and says, what are we doing with our lives? And he's like, I'm just doing what my dad told me to do, like to, to take care of you, that, that he told me to, 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 to provide for you and to take care of you. And she's like, I don't need all, I don't want all that. She looked at her husband and she said, you're not happy. And God has made you to, to bring life into people. And there's a happiness in you that people need. And he's like, okay, what does that mean? She's like, let's give the rest of our lives to serving the Lord. So they sold their business, sold their vacation homes. For the next 30 years, this guy from his, 50, from his 50s to his 80s serves in full-time ministry. And he's like, it was the most joyful time of my life. And I was listening to this man tell me the story, and, and I realized, man, the power in people's words to shape our lives. That for the first 30 years of his life, it was, it was his dad's words that shaped him. And for the next 30, it was his wife's words that shaped him. And, and, and have you ever thought about this, that the way other people's words, they shape us? I bet if I went around and asked you, hey, do you remember a time where someone said a hurtful word about you? Maybe they started like a rumor about you or, or they said something to your face. Maybe it was a teacher or a, a friend that's no longer a friend. I wonder how many of us go, yeah, I remember that. And think about that. How do those words stick with us? Or the opposite. Have, have you ever had someone that looked at you and said, you know, there's something about you. There's this, there's this gift. There's this talent. And, and if you'll use that, you'll bless the world around you. And it was those words that, that woke you up, that, that sparked something in you. And there's something about the power in words to shape our lives. Last week, we started this series called Rooted, Living Deeply in a Hurried World. And and, and the world that we live in, and everyone around us, right? We're getting it from every angle. They're telling us what we need to be happy and to be whole, right? 
I don't know if this is your life, man, but I feel this all the time that, that I'm constantly going from one thing to the next, from one meeting to the next, and, and, and I'm never present in anything, right? How many of you right now, you're already thinking about the things that are coming up this week, and you're not even able to be present here because you're thinking about the test that's coming on Tuesday or the project that's done on Thursday, or the presentation you have to give on Friday, how often we can't even be in the moment. We live in such a hurried pace. And today, what we're doing, and for the next few months, we're gonna look at, at different roots that we wanna just put down that will slow us down. I go, do any of you wanna slow down? <laughs> Are any of you interested in that? Are any of you interested in the, in the chaos of life, not just having its way with us, but are you interested in, in living a life of peace and joy and fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning? Do you want that? So today, we're, we're, I guess you do, foreheads were nodding yes, right? And, and I want that, so I'm going to talk about it, right? So, so today, the, the root that, that we want to talk about is the, the role of Scripture in our lives and the, the desire that God has for his words to shape our very real lives. Psalm chapter 1, I want to read this psalm to us. Let us hear these words together. It's the word of the Lord. Psalm chapter 1, it's on page 254, 254 if you're using one of our Bibles. Psalm chapter one, this is from the NIV. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. How do you know when, when you delight in something? Well, well, you think about it, right? I know the gentry delights in something because he thinks about it and, and he treats himself to it and, and he talks about it and, and he turns to it over and over again. I go, you want to know the things that you delight in? Look at the restaurants that you eat at. Right? You, you, you find something you like or you find a coffee that you like and you keep going back to that place. You never discover something like a, a, a new band that you like or a new album and listen to it once, right? What do you do? You go to it over and over again and you talk about it and you share it, what, what, what you're hearing and what, 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 you're, what you're coming alive in, that this is the way that delight works, that your life reflects the things that you delight in. It says, the scriptures say, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. I know of a guy who um, will do this, well, he'll take 72 hours, and during those 72 hours, he'll eat very little, he'll drink very little, he'll sleep very little, and he'll read through the entire Bible, three days. Binge reading the Bible, right? That, that is someone who delights in the scripture. Have you ever gotten sucked into a book, right? That, that you, you get in this book and you just can't put it down. Like no matter what, what, what you have to do tomorrow, you don't care about the meetings you have or what, how early class is, that, that, that you're in that book and you cannot put it in. I've personally never gotten into a book like that. My wife is like that. Like that you, I can always go to sleep. Like I can, that's just who I am. But, but you get sucked into a, a book or have you ever noticed this with a show where, where you find a new show and you'll watch an episode and then you're like, 20 hours have passed. Like what just happened to my day? And, and you find yourself, but, 
just, just giving yourself to this, but, but what's happening below the surface? You delight in something. Like no one's making you watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy in one day, right? You just delight in it. You're, you're doing it to yourself. And my guess is that, that many of us, if we're being honest, we, we never expect to have that kind of desire for the scripture. We don't even think it's possible to, to delight in the scriptures the way that we delight in college football. Man, that's not even on our radar. But the scripture says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. The word for blessed there, it means happy. Happy is the one who's learned to, to delight in the law of the Lord. And this word law, it doesn't mean rules. It's the Hebrew word Torah, and it means instruction or direction. And the picture is that the, the happy is the person who's learned to prioritize the full revelation of what God has said in their lives. And my guess is that the majority of us who are Christians, we want that. Right? We, we want to delight in knowing God that way and in reading his word, but we just don't. And my guess is that for a lot of us, we just don't even know where to start. We don't know why it was given. <clears throat> and I want to just share a few things. And so if you're a note taker, if you just have a great memory, I encourage you to write these things down and to think about them. <clears throat> why the scripture was given. The, the first reason I believe that the scripture was given to us is, is for us to learn about God. This tells a story of, of who God is and what God has done. You ever go on these, um, these, these adventures where, where you hear about someone's life? Maybe they lived 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and, and you seek out the biography. Have you guys ever done that, where, where you get curious about someone's life and you just want to know them? I remember doing this several years ago with a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This biography came out, and, and I just remember just reading it, just, just digesting it, like page by page, going, man, this guy, I wanted to know why he did the things he did and what he did and how he thought. And, and if you want to know somebody... Man, you read about him, right? And this book is a story of who God is, who God has always been, the things that God has done, the things that have been tucked away. This is a, a, a book that has like gold stored in it, waiting for you to mine it out. I've been married for 11 years, and I remember when my wife and I were early on in the dating, we would you know, go visit her parents who lived in Lebanon, and we'd go visit my family who lived in Murray, Kentucky, and, and one of the things that we do when we were at each other's houses for the weekend is we'd look for the old, most embarrassing pictures we could find, right? And, and we'd look for these old videos and, and, and we would ask questions and we would go, man, what, what, what were you doing in second grade? And, and, and what were you passionate about? Because we didn't just want to know them as the 20-year-old the version of them. We wanted to know who they had been their whole life. And some of you come here this morning and, and you're going, man, I want to know God. And you understand that you can actually know God. The story of God is hidden in the scripture. It's here. Scriptures were given to us to learn about God. The second thing, they, they lead you to Jesus. You get in the Bible and you start reading it and you discover there's a lot of just weird, confusing things that happen in the Bible. A lot of stories that you're like, I don't, does this even, this looks like it belongs on like daytime television, not like in the word of God. Like there's some just weird stuff happening. And, and, and what you see is that the scriptures just stir this appetite in you. 
that you begin to read and, and, you, and you get your hope put in these people and you discover that person after person, man after man after woman after woman, they just let you down. They have a moral failure or they don't, or they don't stand with God or they, or, they, or they do something. And what you discover is that, man, the Bible, if you're a follower of Jesus that's struggling, read the Bible. It'll encourage you <laughs> because it helps you see that a bunch of imperfect people live before you. And so often we get this narrative in our head that Christians just have it all figured out. They have it all. No, read the Bible. It's our story. But what happens is it builds and it leads to Jesus. And what you see in Jesus is that he does everything that no one else could do. He lives a perfect life. He never has a moral failure. He never lets people down. He, he, he does it. He accomplishes it. And he, and he dies. It says that he died on a cross on a Friday afternoon for the forgiveness of our sins so that all the things that we've ever done could be laid aside, forgiven, forgotten. And early on a Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. And it tells us that Jesus is still alive. And so this book isn't just telling us about who God was. It's not just to give us a bunch of facts. It's to point us to the reality that Jesus Christ is alive. And he's not just some historical figure. He's not just one religious figure among, among many, that there's something distinct and different about Jesus Christ. And you discover that this whole book is, is meant to put you in relationship, to encounter the God of this Bible. It's given to learn about God. It leads us to Jesus. It's, it's meant to, to mold us to look like Jesus. You know, I've gotten into to watching YouTube videos. I have three little kids, and so trying to figure out how to save money so something will break around our house or something will break on our car, and, and I'll seek out YouTube and just watch these videos to, to figure out how to fix things. And what's so cool is that ordinary people, just like you and me, will figure something out, and then they'll make this pretty crappy video, and they'll share it with the, the whole world. Why? Because they want to help you, and they don't get anything from it. And as you read about the life of Jesus, man, he, he did it. He walked through this life, the entire life marked by peace. I go, how many of you this morning, you came in here and you're so stressed out about school? You're so stressed out about stuff that's going on in your family. You're so anxious about that relationship. How many of you come in this place and, and it's hard to even be here this morning because you're so stressed and anxious and yet you see in the life of Jesus is that his life was marked with peace. In the life that Jesus lived with this life of sacrificial love where, where he looked and he sought out the people that no one else in society wanted anything to do with and Jesus went after those people. And Jesus forgave people and Jesus spoke the hard words that people needed to hear sometimes. And what you see in Jesus' life is that he figured it out. He figured out how to live in this life in a way that was pleasing to God, in a way that was fulfilling and what's so beautiful about Jesus is he doesn't just figure it out and then hide it to himself. He says, if you want to know how to live a life that pleases the Lord, marked by peace, that loves people, that helps people come alive, it's all here. And the scriptures were given to mold us to look like Jesus. But beyond that, they weren't just given to learn about God or lead us to Jesus, to make us look like Jesus. They're, the scriptures are living. What I mean by this is that the scriptures speak to you. Sometimes the way that this works is it's in real time. And so if you've ever read the Bible before, if you're a, a person that has just prioritized scripture, you've, you've probably done this before. My wife experienced this a couple weeks ago. She 
went with a group from our church to India for, for 10 days, and they were going to train some of the pastors over there in this inner healing prayer ministry that we have at Ethos called Freedom Prayer. And my wife was getting ready for her part, and she was so nervous. You know, just, she's like, I don't know if I can do this, and I don't, I don't feel confident. I don't feel ready to do this. And my wife is someone who every morning she gets up and she spends time with God. She gets up before the kids get up, before the sun comes up, and she reads because she's found something in God. And so she opens up in the midst of feeling all this anxiousness with with going to India. And the verse that day that she was reading was Jeremiah chapter one, verse eight, where the Lord says, I am with you and I will deliver you. And she, she came and found me. She's like, listen to what I, what I just read. She's like, I'm feeling all this anxiousness about India. And she's like, I feel like God just spoke this word directly to me. And if you've ever read the Bible this way, man, you'll, you'll understand that, that sometimes God speaks to us in real time. That you'll just be reading through the Bible. And for some reason, the, the passage that you're in that day just speaks to you. And it's not every time. Sometimes it speaks to you in real time. Sometimes the scriptures speak to you, but, but it's for something much much further down the road, right? That God is in the business so often of, of we read the Bible and, and you don't just have this breakthrough moment. So often you read the scriptures, and you're like, man, that was cool, but I don't really get anything from it today. But, but God's depositing something in your road that you'll draw on months down the road. Or sometimes scripture is not even meant for you in that moment. It's meant to flow through you. I had a friend text me on Thursday morning. And so my wife has been, she was in India and for, for 10 days, which means, you know, I was working and then I'm on full dad duty. I've got a six-year-old girl, five-year-old boy, two and a half-year-old little girl. We ate a lot of spaghetti for supper because it was easy. And, and things were crazy around my house. You know, my youngest daughter, there were several days, she was up before five o'clock. And so I go in to, to work on Thursday, just the end of this 10 days, and I'm just exhausted. I'm like, Lord, I, I got to write this sermon today. Help me. Give me, give me what I need today. And, and I don't feel like I have anything to give. And my friend... This 50-year-old woman, part of our church family, she sends me this text of this picture, and she says, Isaiah 41, verse 10 was what I was reading today. I wanted just to pass it along to you. This is what Isaiah 41, verse 10 says. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Be strong. I will hold your hand. I'm here to help you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord. Thank you. And so often the scripture flows through us to bless other people's lives. And I love this picture. It says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. And what God is getting after is not for us to be people who just live like hermit lifestyles where we, where we disconnect and we're not paying attention in class. We're not paying attention to meetings. We're not paying attention to our spouses. That's not what he's getting at meditating day and night. What he's saying is, is that there's, there's not a moment in our, in our day where we're not thinking. Right, that our minds are always thinking about something. And what the psalmist is getting at here is that we would be people that learn to take control of our thoughts, that we remind ourselves of who God is. You see, scripture is useful for all of life. My friend the other day, he sends me a text, 35-year-old friend, and he said, hey, my my 22-year-old godson just died. And I go, do we even have a box for that? <clears throat> Some of you are not even 22 yet. Right? And, and you hear that. And, and all of us have been touched by death in some way. And what happens when, when, we, when, we, when we don't know God, 
when we haven't made it a priority to delight and to meditate on who God is and what God has been about, then, then we just let every kind of voice from the, the world around us or from the enemy just into our head, and that becomes the truth. Right, but when, but when you know the scripture, when you've made it a priority to, to seek out God because you want to know God, when hard things in life come like that, man, you draw on what God has revealed about himself. And so you look at the story in John chapter 11 where one of Jesus' friends died. And what was Jesus doing right by his friend's death when he hears about it? Do you know? What was he doing? He was weeping. You want to know how God feels? When someone you love passes away, so often we come to God and we're like, God, why would you do this to me? Why are you so angry? Why are you so mad at me? And yet when you're rooted in the scripture, what you discover is that God is weeping with you. Or another story in the gospels where where it says this single woman, this, this widow, her only son had died. And they're leading the, 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 the procession through town to take this child to be buried. And it says that Jesus sees this. You know what Jesus does? It says that his heart goes out to them. You see what happens when, when you know God is it anchors you in the hard stuff of life. Right? It's, it's useful in moments of temptation. Right, where, where, where the enemy is just coming after you and maybe it's just like, it's, it's, it's suicide. Or maybe it's porn. Or maybe it's something else. It's the, the, the thing that just feels like, man, I just can't. This thing just keeps owning me. And when you've made a priority of the scriptures, you, you learn what God has said. No temptation has overtaken you. Except for what's common to us all. God is faithful. He will allow you to, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will allow you a way out. And so often in the moment, it just feels like this thing that you just have to give into that's going to overcome. And you realize, no, God has something different to say. You see, when you learn to delight and meditate on the scriptures, the scripture says that Psalm 1, that you're planted, you're like a tree that's planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And the picture there is, is of a tree bearing fruit. You know, a tree doesn't bear fruit for itself. A tree bears fruit for others to enjoy. And, and I go, man, who here this morning doesn't want their life to bless other people? Right, if you come here this morning and, and you're only thinking about you, you're missing out on life. That, that there's something that, that happens when you start to understand, no, I don't wanna just live a good life. I want my life to bless as many people around me as possible. And the scripture says, when you've learned to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on the scriptures, your life will bear fruit for other people to enjoy. It says, your life will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Not just a stream, but many streams. And the picture here is that, is that God will continually supply everything that you need when you learn to delight in the Lord like this. Doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. Doesn't mean that life's going to be easy, but you'll understand that God actually is a truth teller. This is a person who delights and who meditates is a person that everything they do will prosper. And that, prosper, that word prosper doesn't mean, you know, become wealthy and rich and famous. The word means steady forward progress. And my guess is that, is that we all want this. Right, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going, man, I, I want 
to live like that. I want to have this desire to know God, but I just don't. You know, we all come in different places. Some of us, we, we come to the scripture and we don't delight in it. In fact, it's the exact opposite. We despise the scripture. And we despise it because we don't like what it says. Man, we don't like that, that, that it tells us that we shouldn't be sleeping with our girlfriend. And we don't like that it tells us that, that we should be generous to the poor. And that we don't like that it tells us that we shouldn't be greedy. And so what happens is so often we, we read the scriptures and we come up against something we don't like and we're like, I don't want that anymore. My son last night, right before bed, you know, I'm like, hey, buddy, you need to take a bath. And he's like, I don't want to take a bath. I'm like, buddy, you played soccer this morning. You've been playing outside all day. You're, you're a stinky boy. You need to get in the bath and, and, and get all the dirt off of you, get all the smell. And he literally, I, I kid you not, he puts his fingers in his ears and goes, ah, and just runs to his room. And I'm like, I, I haven't read a parenting book on how to deal with that. Like, I don't know what to do with you right now. But it hit me. That's what we do with the Lord that the Lord will have some instruction for us and we don't like it and so we despise it. Some of us, you know, you think about this. You, you despised your parents' instruction. Your parents tried to instruct you in a, in a way that was good and right and you despised it. And think about the decisions that you made, the things that you did because you did not heed their advice. Or maybe it wasn't you, but it was one of your friends. And you thought it was really cool at the time because, you know, the, the, they were just kind of this rebellious friend of yours. But, but look at the decisions that they made and the things that they did. You know, some of us, we despise the scripture. Some of us, we disregard the scripture. It's not that we despise, we don't have anything personally against it. It just kind of feels old, outdated, doesn't speak into our lives. And so we kind of treat it like any other old book. And what the psalmist tells us here is, is that when that is the posture of our lives, he says, you're like chaff. And what that means, and this is hard to hear, it says that, that your life will amount to nothing. Like, whoa, it's kind of lighthearted until you said that. Like, that's, yeah, that's what he says, that, that your life is fickle. He says, you will not stand in judgment. We hear these words, and we're like, whoa, you're, you're susceptible to every teaching. So every time something comes along and it feels right or it sounds right, man, if you've not learned to delight and meditate and know God, you're just tossed back and forth. Some of you don't disregard it. Some of you, you, you dabble in it. How does dabbling work in any other area of life, right? When you, when you dabble in a relationship, if you're currently dabbling in a relationship, I hope she breaks up with you, <laughs> right? Or, or, or dabbling like with, with exercise or, or dabbling with playing pickup basketball. When you dabble at something, you never get good at it. And the picture here is that we would be people who delight in the Lord, we delight in the scriptures. But how do we get there? A few quick things and we'll be done. What's the application? So how do we get there? First is this. Read the Bible every single day. Before I worked here at church, I was working in campus ministry. And one of the things that we did is we had a, a men's retreat. And I invited this guy who had been discipling me and pouring into me to, to come and speak. And, and at this opening session, he opens up and he says, for the past 33 years, I've read the Bible every single day. And I'm like, what? I'm like struggling to read it, right? And I look at this guy's life 
And he's one of the most joyful people I know. And he loves and he honors his wife. Like, I've never heard him say a, a dishonoring thing about his wife. I've never seen him do anything that, that dishonors her. He honors her. I see this man who shares his faith and who is generous and who thinks about other people. And he's discipling the next generation. And, and I go, of course. Because for the past 33 years, this has been his life. And it shaped him. It's molded him into this amazing man. You know, some of you, you've never read the Bible before and it feels daunting. It feels overwhelming. And I, and I get that feeling. You know, I have a friend and he's, he's, a, he's a Muslim and I'm just praying God has put me in his life. I'm just praying that he would come to know Jesus, not just as a, a historical figure, but as a savior of the world. And so I'm doing everything I can to, to get in this guy's life and to love him and to point him to Jesus. And, and he hands me a copy of the Quran, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this because I want to know what it is that he believes. And I pick it up and I'm like, this makes no sense to me. Right? And that's how some of you feel about the Bible. It makes no sense. And so I want to just give you some, 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 a place to start. Start in Mark chapter 1. If you've never read the Bible before, just start in Mark chapter 1. Or maybe you have friends. They want to start reading the Bible. So tell them to start in Mark chapter 1. And start small. Read one chapter a day. When you get done with Mark, read the book of Luke. And after Luke, read Matthew, then John, then read the rest of the New Testament. And, and just commit to reading every single day. Some of you, you, you read the Bible occasionally. Man, you, you read it every, you know, once a week or a couple times a week or a couple times a month. And, and I want to encourage you to, to be disciplined. And maybe you're like, man, I'm not a very disciplined person. That excuse doesn't work in life. <laughs> right? You show up late and you tell your boss, you know, sorry, you know, I've, I'm, I'm running late for the fourth time this week. I'm just not a very disciplined person. And the, the boss is like, you know what? You're, you're also no longer an employed person because that you've not figured out that you have to have discipline in life, right? That, that, that we need discipline. And you are disciplined. Think about, you eat every single day. There are things that you do every single day, so it's not true that you're not disciplined. You might not be disciplined when it comes to reading the scriptures, but you have an in you to be disciplined. And I encourage you, be disciplined. Some of you right now, you, you do read the Bible every day, but nothing seems to be coming from it. And I just encourage you to trust this psalm. It says you will bear fruit in season. It doesn't say that you're going to bear fruit every season. It doesn't mean every time you sit down, Caleb, to read the Bible, you're going to have this mind-blowing experience. But what it says is that when you've made a practice of delighting in this and meditating on it and bringing it into your life, that in due season, you will bear fruit. It's the first point of application. Read every day. Second, hey, don't give up when it's not engaging or entertaining. Don't treat it like it's a, a TV series. You know, people do this with you. I'm sure they do it with me all the time. Hey, you need to watch this show. You need to watch Downtown Abbey. And I watch an episode and I'm like, nah, it's not for me, right? And, and so I, I, I don't even give it a chance. And we do this with scripture too. That we get into it and it's not very exciting. It's not very engaging, right? It's not flashy. And so we just set it aside. And I encourage you to push through, to keep reading to find people who are further down the road than you and ask them, hey, I'm reading this and it doesn't make sense. So don't give up when it's not engaging. The third thing is share what you're learning. Right, I have some good friends that 
They live in Sheffield, England. And my friend Chris, he moved here several years ago. He actually became a Christian as a part of our church family, gave his life to Jesus, and, and he wanted to move back to Europe because, man, religion is like a pastime there, especially following Jesus. So he and his wife, man, they packed their bags and they moved there and, and, and he sends me these emails and we talk and, and he tells me, man, that, that people just aren't interested in the Lord here. Right, and, and we see that in our own country. You might even see that in yourself, that you're more interested in, in, in the Titans game. You're more interested in, in, in whatever than you are in the Lord. And I go, man, we're losing interest in the Lord. So, so how do we combat that? Man, how do we wake up this city? How do we not let our city become a city where, where God is a, a God of the past? How do we become a city where, where God is working and moving and healing and reviving and speaking and giving peace? And we speak the name of Jesus. And we sit down with our friends to have dinner or to have a beer or to have coffee. We don't just talk about the show we're watching or the show we went to last night or the movie we saw. Man, we talk, hey, this is what God was speaking to me. And it's gonna feel uncomfortable to do that because we're not used to doing it. The same way you feel uncomfortable when you go back to the gym after not being there for a long time. It's uncomfortable, you're sore. It's gonna feel that way. But I'm convinced that if we want our city to know Jesus, if we want to be people who are serious about following and knowing and loving Jesus, we're going to have to be proactive. And we can't wait for the person next to us to do it. We have to be serious about this. And I know that some of you, you come here this morning and, and it just feels so daunting. It feels so overwhelming. Is that every week? Is there always a siren going on here? Is it my freshman year of college, I moved to Nashville. I knew I wanted to do ministry. And I remember this, this specific conversation I had with my, one of my head residents in the dorm I was living in. He came up to me and he said, Brandon, he said, don't let the only time that you read the scripture and study the scripture be when you're preparing for a teaching. And it was so convicting because the truth is that's the only time I ever read the Bible is when I had to prepare for something. And yet there was something about that moment that sparked an interest in me a desire in me, just this discipline, like, I can do this. And the only person that's going to keep this from happening is me. And the only person that will keep you from, from knowing God and loving God and being rooted in the word of God is you. And so my encouragement to you is let the Lord's words be the words that shape you. So you don't spend half your life or whole your life or, or, or your whole life just being tossed back and forth by other people's words or by words of the culture. Let the Lord's words shape your life. And when you get old, people will look at you and they'll know something's different about you. And it doesn't always come fast. We want the microwave. We want the quick. That's not that way that life works with God. It's a steady. It's a constant. It's a consistent. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next five or six minutes, and I invite you to circle up your chairs. Will you throw up that slide, please? And I want you to, to, to really speak honestly about where you are in your journey with the scriptures. Can you guys see that? Can y'all not see that? I can see it. It's up there. Oh, man. You know, so, so the, the four words, man, despise, disregard, dabble, or delight. When it comes to your relationship with the scripture right now, where are you? 
Okay, so that's going to be the first question. And where are you when it comes to the scripture? And I invite you just to share that honestly. Do you, do you disregard it? Do you despise it? Are you dabbling in it? Or are you delighting in it? And the second kind of question that comes from that is, is what are you going to do about it? What action are you going to take? Maybe it's, hey, I'm, I'm going to commit that I'm going to, I'm going to, there it is, there we go. I'm going to, I'm going to read one chapter a day, or I'm going, to, I'm going to be committed to this. I need your help. Will you help me? And so let's take a few minutes, and let's just share honestly that I'm convinced that, that if, if you don't participate, if you don't engage with it right now, even if you have the best of intentions, just, it's going to fall to the wayside. And so engage this, bring this into your life, talk about it with the people around you and talk about what you're gonna do about it. And then I'll get up here after a few minutes and send us to communion. So let's take the next few minutes, talk, circle up your chairs with the people around us. Where are you in your journey with the scriptures?